Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So, I know what you're thinking. All right, Buker, how are you going to top that last episode? For those who missed it, I did my last episode on something I rarely do. Crafting a speculative trade and why it makes sense. In this case, it was solving the 76ers conundrum of where to send unhappy point guard, former franchise cornerstone, and anti-jump shooter Ben Simmons. Some people are anti-vaccine. Ben is anti-jumper. Everybody has their hill to die on. Anyway, I proposed a trade that we had not heard among all the rumored ones involving Simmons sending him to the Houston Rockets for point guard John Wall, one that made the most sense to me. Hours after that episode was released, lo and behold, Shams Sharania, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I'm sorry, I don't watch Stadium, and I've never heard anyone in my circle refer to him as anything other than Shams, and I have heard his last name pronounced a variety of ways. So, apologies if I got that wrong, Shams, feel free to reach out and let me know what the appropriate pronunciation is. Anyway, Shams reports that the Rockets and Wall have mutually agreed to find him a new home and that he will not play for the team again, which puts him in the same camp as Simmons. The only difference being that the 76ers haven't officially announced it to be the case. To answer the question I posed at the top, I'm not going to top it. Sometimes timing works in your favor. You take it as a gift from the basketball or podcast gods and keep it moving. 
Before I go on to what I really want to talk about in this podcast, though, which is the players' union refusing to let the league mandate that all players be vaccinated against COVID-19, what that says and the many questions it raises, I do want to throw out one more trade possibility for Simmons. And again, this is one I haven't heard, although it makes more sense than most of the ones that I have. And that would be Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving. The contracts line up perfectly, which is another subject in and of itself, that Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving are getting paid almost the exact same number next season. I think Simmons' contract is actually a year longer than Kyrie's, but that's about the only difference. Bottom line is the contracts line up perfectly, so it could be a straight-up trade. Now, I don't see any chance of it happening, and not just because it's between two teams competing for supremacy in the same conference, which runs the tremendous risk of one front office or the other looking as if they handed a title to the other. Neither one of them wants to run that risk, no matter how remote it might be. The biggest reason is actually because of the relationship between Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Letting DeAndre Jordan go is one thing. He was tight with the two of them. The only reason he was on the team was because they wanted him there. The only reason he got four years, $40 million, is because they wanted him there. But DeAndre isn't tight with those two like Kyrie and KD are. But if GM Sean Marks truly had a free hand to shape the roster purely to create a team best equipped to win a title... Simmons is a far better fit than Kyrie. He erases a lot of duplication and gives them a lot of what they don't have, particularly when it comes to matching up with the Bucks, the biggest obstacle they face in getting to the finals. Imagine having Simmons to guard one of Milwaukee's three biggest weapons, Giannis, Chris Middleton, or Drew Holiday. Suddenly, if he's on Holiday, Drew doesn't have a size advantage at point guard as he normally does and did during the finals. Middleton doesn't have a length advantage, and, well, at least physically, Simmons would be better suited to guarding Giannis than anyone the Nets currently have. Nets also, offensively, I don't think they lose that much if James Harden is healthy, and KD is as well. I believe they have everything they need along with the other shooters that they've added, particularly now with Patty Mills on the roster. The Sixers, meanwhile, get the go-to score they are looking for and have enough size and defense around Kyrie to cover up his weaknesses. I'd love to see it happen just because if anything would light Simmons' competitive fire, I'd have to imagine getting the chance to knock off Embiid, Doc, and the Sixers would be it. And the battle in the Eastern Conference would truly be a round-robin affair between the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nets. But enough of what should be and on to what is. Namely, reports that the league is not mandating that all players be vaccinated because the players' union won't agree to it. To be clear, the players' union has never fought for the rank and file. So don't think that that's where this is coming from. It has always very much served 
the interests of the superstars, especially once they actually decided to hold union offices. But even before that, I will never forget sitting down with Billy Hunter, director of the Players' Union, prior to Michelle Roberts, went out in disgrace. We sat down and I asked him how he balanced the interests of the rank and file with the superstars, particularly when negotiating a contract. How did he you have take all these disparate personalities and interests and represent them all fairly at the table? And he said he didn't. That he really only needed in order to hold sway over the collective some 450, 500 players is to have the top 90, the top three from each team. And he said, really, I don't even need that. All I need is the most, imther- most important 30. I need the best player from every team to be in my camp. I need to represent them. And if I do that, then I hold sway and I am representing the players as a whole as best as I can. So this is not a new thing. Uh, But that's why this resistance in particular to the vaccine would not surprise me as much if we were still under the previous players union regime, which is with Chris Paul as president and LeBron James as one of the VPs, largely because LeBron has been so evasive on whether or not he's been vaccinated and former teammate Dennis Schroeder intimated at one point that he and LeBron were not vaccinated. We still don't know. We can suspect, and I suspect, that LeBron is not, but we don't really know. What's tough to figure out is that the league is also claiming that 85% of the players are vaccinated. Now, that was the percentage that each individual team last year had to reach in order to have the mandated protocol for players and team personnel. Protocol like no eating outside the hotel on the road, no spending time with anyone other than immediate family at home. Uh, If 85% of a team was vaccinated, then those protocol were lifted during the regular season. It meant that 13 members of a 15-man roster had to get the jab to get the restrictions lifted. So Lakers had them lifted, but if Dennis and LeBron were the two players who weren't vaccinated and everybody else was, then that's how they would have accomplished that task. As I look at the new slate of Players Union officers, only Vice Presidents Andre Iguodala and Kyrie Irving strike me as guys who would be adamant about fighting the league, in part because Iggy and Kyrie are pretty fierce, seemingly about fighting any kind of establishment rules, and both have a very jaundiced view of the NBA in general and how it operates. CJ McCollum, Harrison Barnes, Malcolm Brogdon, Garrett Temple, all of them of whom are officers, have never struck me as guys with quite as cynical a view of the league, but I'm told that, for whatever reason, CJ is pretty staunch about not accepting an all-inclusive mandate. And he's the president now. What I've been told by a few different sources, though, is that the big names I mentioned who once held official positions in the Players' Union still hold considerable influence over director Michelle Roberts, who, from everything I've been told, has operated like 
every other NBA director. That is, she's catered to the league's biggest stars because they have the most influence. Would not surprise me. Hearing that did not surprise me. I can't tell you for 100% certain that it's true. It makes sense. In any other kind of organization, no one would have much issue, by the way, with catering to the most powerful people in the organization. In a union, which is supposed to be all about serving the interests of the rank and file, it raises some questions. Or at least, if not the rank and file, the vast majority. One look at the structure of the collective bargaining agreement tells you all you need to know about how well the union has served the interests of middle-class players and whose interests it has served the most. The middle class has been squeezed as much as the middle class in our society as a whole has. Not only are the top earners making vastly more than they ever have, but they're making it later in their careers than they ever have. Chris Paul being a $30 million a year player for the next two years based strictly on his production is absurd. And yet, that's how teams fill out their rosters. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Now, uh, outside of the max salary players, they will let an agent know they were in the market for a player who, say, averages five rebounds off the bench, averaging 18 to 20 minutes, and they're willing to pay X amount, $6.5 million, just throwing a number out. Chemistry, experience, all of that is secondary if considered at all. This is where analytics have come in so big when it comes to the game, and it's why you see players jumping around a lot with agents, because agents really can't bargain anymore. You're going to go to a bigger agent because he has influence or he may be the first agent that a, that a team calls because they know he has multiple clients. So they'll be able to fill that slot with one call, ideally. Now, if the agent has such a client and can get them to agree to the offered amount, a deal is made. If not, the team goes to another agent or has that agent bring another player and they look to fill the same slot. But there's really no negotiation. The other thing with players going to bigger agencies is that uh, they have a better chance of getting marketing money, uh, commercials, sponsorships, uh, endorsements, whether they be local. And in most cases for those type of players, they are local versus national. This is what tickles me if what I'm hearing is true, that Michelle Roberts is essentially terrified that if the union caves on required vaccinations, she runs the risk of LeBron speaking out against the union. Which means, in much the same way conspiracy theories have our former president and a man LeBron despises trying to operate a sort of shadow government despite no longer being in office, LeBron appears to be doing the exact same thing with the union. 
Oh, that's delicious. Now, I'm not here to debate the efficacy of the COVID vaccines. I have been vaccinated, as has everyone in my family. There are a lot of ridiculous theories being thrown around as facts and a lot of muddled messaging on both sides of the issue. A vast number of Americans expose themselves to health risks environmentally and nutritionally on a daily basis. So this sudden concern about what they're putting in their body, it amuses me. It's a bit convenient. And where's the concern on the things that you have had control over for decades? Anyway, I appreciate people, and this is sincere, I appreciate people who question how much we know about the long-term effects of the the vaccines, considering the timeline for developing, developing them has never been as rushed in the history of the world. We've never developed and distributed a vaccine prior to the epidemic that inspired it having run its course. It was different this time. So I appreciate those who are concerned about what the long-term effects are. I get it. And I'm not saying there's zero risk in getting vaccinated. I just believe it's a calculated risk and the calculus far favors getting vaccinated than not getting vaccinated when it comes to surviving this virus. The long-term effects are unknown, but the short-term effects are, which is why I endorsed my wife and our two teenage kids to get the jab as I did. Getting vaccinated and thinking of the greater good seems to be on the same wavelength as the push for social justice and equal rights that the players were so vocal and visible in supporting just two years ago. No? Which is what makes this stand curious. I'm well aware of the cruel and incomprehensibly inhumane history of black people in this country and government-driven experimental vaccines in this country. So I understand the resistance's origins among black players in the league. And if you're not familiar with that history, do your homework. But with no one willing to speak out about the reason for their resistance... Where are you, LeBron? Or that history. It just leaves the impression the players pick which battles for the common good they're willing to fight. The other issue fighting a vaccine mandate creates is what I can almost assure you the league is going to institute in response. They are going to make protocol onerous on everyone, vaccinated and unvaccinated alike. One, to protect their product from inter- interruption, as in COVID, positive COVID tests that compromise games. And two, to punish the players' union for refusing to cooperate. That protocol could include making unvaccinated players ride in a separate section of team planes and buses and eat at separate training tables. Make them pariahs, essentially. But it's also a major pain in the ass for the organization and just the machinations that all team personnel will have to go through to follow that protocol. With proof of vaccination being required in the Bay Area and New York at all major sporting venues for anybody who walks into the building, it also means unvaccinated players would be ineligible to play. And don't be surprised if the league says they therefore won't receive game checks for those contests. If this stand by the union holds, 
We are also going to find out exactly who is and isn't vaccinated on every team, which is going to create a whole new news stream and news cycle of its own that the NBA assuredly does not want. In short, if the league is going to have disruptions to its games, it's going to make the players feel the pain for those disruptions. And I mean disruptions as in LeBron James is not playing against the Golden State Warriors tonight. And I must say, after thinking about the league getting back to normal and all the interesting storylines that this season promises with fans in the stands, media hopefully getting a chance to do what we do more normally, a tiff over how the league is collectively addressing COVID-19 is truly a disappointment. And yet, by all appearances... It's exactly where we're headed. Let's hope that changes. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, who knows? Tomorrow, we may be hearing that the Nets and the Sixers are talking about a Kyrie Simmons trade. Probably not. I don't see that happening two days in a row, particularly with this latest speculative trade that I offered. So my subject in the next episode will either be Derrick Rose and his Hall of Fame chances or something else that pops up between now and then. In any case, in the meantime, thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 